0: Hello, hello. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Glad that you're here with us. Um, As John said, uh, we're glad for you all to worship with us on the Sunday morning. This May, I can't believe it's already May, it's going to start getting warmer and nicer. And then as soon as Boston becomes a pleasant place to be, half of you will leave and come back when the weather is crappy again. Um, For those of you who are, who I'm mentioning, a lot of you students who are in finals right now, uh, I'm glad that you woke up. Uh, Hope that you are getting lots of gummy bears and gummy worms and ramen in your body to strengthen you for A-plus work. Uh, we're praying for you. Hope that um, finals is uh, not too stressful and that you're able to go home and, and really enjoy your summer before when you come back, we're going to be in a different place, in a different building, back at our old stomping ground. So um, any of you who are going through finals time, have time for a coffee, uh, want to meet up before you leave, please uh, do send me an email. I'd love to, to treat you to something before, like in the middle of your your hell season of sorts. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, um, I'm going to, as you know, if you've been with us for the past few weeks, uh, we're switching up order a little bit in our, in our services. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to be sharing God's word with us, uh, continuing on our sermon series that we've titled Come and See. And so before I do that, uh, I'd love to just invite you all to pray with me as we begin our, uh, the sermon. So let's pray together. Lord, we want to declare uh, that we need your word in our lives and more of it. And sometimes we do a good job uh, of reading on our own or maybe listening to a podcast or a sermon or devotionals. And sometimes we don't and, it's, and a week goes by and we really haven't uh, sat down or heard from you. But the good thing is that every Sunday uh, we gather together, whether a group of five to a group of 500, some places 5,000 where we get to be together in the same shared space and open up your good word for us, Lord. And we pray not for me to do anything, but for your Holy Spirit to feed us. We know that there's never a limit um, to how much we can be fed your word. Uh, It's not like food in our stomachs where we get full where it becomes too much and unhealthy and uncomfortable, uh, your word is not like that. We could feast on it like a buffet for all of eternity and still want more. And so I pray that if you do use me as an instrument of, of, a, of a tool of yours, in a servant in any way, it would be just simply being like a waiter, just delivering the food, and that we would be able to enjoy it together because it's so good for us. And so protect this space, protect our minds, protect our attention, our focus, and protect your good word, Lord, that it would be um, exactly as you desire it to be shared, and that we would receive it, Lord, in the way that your good shepherding spirit intends for us to receive it. So Holy Spirit, lead this time, guide it, uh, protect it, it is yours for your glory and for the good of your people. And so... Together with excitement, we are glad to be able to read and study your word this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I don't know about you, but Amazon reviews for me are not helpful. Uh, I think for a lot of people, the point of having reviews is that it helps you confirm your decision. If anything, make it faster. Maybe you're shopping for something and you already know the reputable brands, so you just do a quick search, something pops up, 100,000 reviews, five stars, done. You just put it in the cart, have it shipped to your door in two days. For me, Amazon reviews have the opposite effect. It makes me take forever to make a simple decision. I read way too much, and I could be buying like something as stupid as like a bar of soap. And I'm like, oh, but I have to choose the right one. And I have to scour all the reviews. Here's one example of something that happened to me recently when I was buying a new router for our home. And so something like this will come up. I'll type, you know, Wi-Fi router. And then TP-Link, oh, a very reputable brand. Everybody knows it. And as it, I, I don't know if you can see in the, little, in the orange right there. It says number one bestseller on Amazon, 60,000 reviews. And so if you're a review reader like me, likely you'll go and you'll click it and you'll read the five-star ones. But that's not what I do. I go straight for the one-star ones and I look at a review like this. TP-Trash by <laughs> Dr. Riley Norvell. He's a doctor, so he must be a smart person who knows exactly what he's talking about, right? So now I'm distracted. This is my process. I'm sucked into this guy's story about his terrible experience with this router. Keep in mind, I did the math, 45,000 people gave it five stars. One person calls it TP trash, and I'm like, he must be right, though, and I'm sucked into it. I can't buy it, so I'm moving on. I move on to the next router. I'm more distracted by this one individual person's bad experience and their anger, that I'm convinced by the 45,000 who are having a great experience with the product. I don't know if any of you are, are like me in here, maybe you think I'm a little crazy, but I think all of us have a little bit of this inside of us, so there's this, like, this human experience that I wanna kinda share and the reason why I'm bringing up this example. And for you, maybe it's a different setting than something like an Amazon review. Maybe you've been in a small group, and actually John did it coincidentally this morning, uh, where the leader in your small group as an icebreaker might say, hey, like, let's go around the circle and share our highs and our lows for the week. Maybe you're the type that whenever that happens, you're finding it so hard to think about what your high is for the week. And you're like, I don't even know what to say. Like my lunch was good, and you're like kind of thinking in your head, and you're not listening to everybody else who's sharing because you, you can't figure out what your high is. But your lows, you're choosing You have five, six, seven. I don't know which one to share. There were so many lows. Maybe that's you. Or maybe for you, this example I'm talking about is more tied to what people say. Your boss at work maybe gives you compliments here and there, sprinkles them in. Oh, you're doing a good job. But they give you one negative feedback or constructive criticism, and that's all you can think about. Oh, my boss doesn't appreciate me. It's just that one comment, even though maybe your boss has given you plenty of compliments as well. My point is that there's a part of us in the human experience that finds it super easy to linger on the negative things. We stew in it, we marinate it, it marinate in it. But the positive things, the blessings, and the good things in life, we experience it, yay, and then pew, like we quickly move on from them. We can be like military grade radars, like boop, 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 and we're like like triggering all these bad and the wrong things, the, the, the difficult things that happen in life, we're so keen and aware of noticing them. But when things go right, or the blessings in life, there can be many in our day, and it can be right in front of our faces, and yet often we can still miss them. This is ability for us to be keenly aware of the negative and overlooking the positive. It robs us of something that's very important in this life and especially in our walk of faith. So today in our third week of our series, Come and See, I want to talk about a part of our spirituality, a part of our spiritual growth and health that's super critical to us, but too often overlooked. I believe it's a huge part of how we should actually uh, measure growth. We talk about, oh, I want to grow spiritually. Like, Lord, I want to grow in you. I think this is probably at the very top of the list of how you actually measure whether you are or you aren't growing. But it's a criterion that we often just disregard or we don't really talk about that often or even use as a measurement, but it's super, super important. And so we're going to read God's word together and we're going to be reading from the book of Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And so here God's word, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this story, we find Jesus, he's met by a group of ten lepers, and they cry out to him. And in this translation, it said, Pity, have pity on us. Another good translation is the word compassion. Jesus, have compassion on us. So the word about Jesus being a miracle worker, a healer, Uh, It must have reached them, so they know who he is. And they can't get close to him because their condition requires them to be socially distanced because leprosy was contagious. And so they shout at a distance, Jesus, have pity. Be compassionate towards us. They're desperate for him to help. And what Jesus does next is he says, go show yourselves to the priests. And that doesn't really make sense to us. So why does he say that? Why does he say, go show yourselves to the priests? To help you understand it, I thought if I ever had a PhD, wrote a dissertation, I would put it in this very academic and educational way in a commentary. Write this if you're taking notes. What Jesus does here, he pulls a Steph Curry. Stephen Curry, put it in your Bible in the margins. Whenever you read this passage again, just imagine Jesus going, Steph Curry, and just like, you know, like just crumpling up the paper and throwing it to the wastebasket. So let me explain why. So you know, Steph, he'll he'll shoot a shot, and sometimes, a lot of times, when it comes off his hand and he knows that it's perfect, it's going in, you know, he'll turn around do his, and then do his shimmy and then he'll run off, even before the ball goes inside the rim and he scores, right? He knows for certain what the outcome is before it happens. And so he celebrates. He celebrates the outcome knowing exactly what's going to happen. And that's what Jesus does here with the miracle. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And what he's doing is having them do the practice that's meant to be post-healing, So let me explain. It was biblical law for a leper to go show themselves to the priest after they were healed for confirmation of their healing and then re-entry into society. And so if I were a leper and I found, oh my gosh, my skin is all better, I'm good, I'm healed, I would go to the priest and be, hey, look, I think I'm all better. The priest would examine me and be like, yep, you're right. And boom, stamp of approval, you're back into society. So Jesus is pulling a Steph curry. He's doing the thing, already knowing what the outcome is going to be. And just as, they, as Jesus intends, because it's his miracle, they're walking on the way there, and they find themselves healed. So here's the end of any focus on leprosy or miracles. The miracle part of the story is actually not the meat and potatoes. It's the introduction. It's the buildup It's the background almost. It's not the main focus. We often read this story and we're like, oh, it's the the miracle passage where Jesus healed the lepers. Well, not, not really. Yes, a miracle does happen, but Luke isn't really focused on that. This story is much less about the healing of leprosy and much more about thankfulness and the lack of it. One commentator, when speaking about this passage, writes this. Significantly, Each miracle emphasizes not the healing, but the teaching that follows. Let me read that again. Each miracle emphasizes not the healing, but the teaching that follows. And this teaching that follows is what I was alluding to as we began. What we get robbed of when we're constantly focusing on the negative things in life. We're stripped of gratefulness, of being thankful, of this thing that I'm convinced is a top, top, top top-tier measure of whether we're growing in our our spiritual lives is gratefulness. This this disposition of of being experts, of focusing and lingering on the negative things in life, and on the flip side, moving on really quickly when something good happens to us, it, it just strips us of being grateful. And thankfulness is one of the biggest markers of spiritual maturity, of spiritual growth, Spiritual well-being that we often overlook, but is integral to it. And so let's reread the most important part of the passage that Luke wants us to pay attention to. Not the healing part. It's this part, verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, "Were are not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So the lesson we learn from this story is this, that the reality is in this life that God will do so much for his people out of his love and compassion, yet not all will express this gratitude, deep-seated gratitude. God is going to do so much for each and every single one of us, but not all of us are going to really give him thanks for it. God is constantly showing up in compassion and love for you and for me. But many people are just going to walk away without giving him thanks, without pausing and reflecting on it, without being the one out of the ten who turns back and says, Jesus, thank you. So it begs the question for us today, are we going to be that person? Will we express our gratitude for Jesus' love and compassion towards us Or are we going to be one of the lepers who get healed, their life is completely transformed, but never stops to think, never stops to turn back, never actually expresses gratitude to Jesus? So last month, uh, my family and I went on vacation to the Dominican Republic, to Punta Cana. It's a resort city. And we stayed at an all-inclusive resort at this beach, like paradise property that was built in 2019. So it was brand new because nobody was there in 2020. We went in 2022, right? So it's brand new, and it was beautiful. Amazing staff, amazing facilities, all-inclusive, everything. And, you know, my my wife and my sister were posting photos on Instagram, and people were like, oh, my God, you guys, it's, like, beautiful. You must be having such a good time. Well, honestly, to me, it was actually really stressful, but this is what it looked like. So this is a beautiful property here. Um, It was just... And it was spotless and just perfect and best service. And we had moments like this on the beach uh, as a family. Can I have the next picture? Where this water is like, I don't know, like bath water. It's like so warm. You can see the water is like turquoise blue. Can I have this next picture? So this has nothing to do with the sermon. I just put it up here because we're so stinking cute. With our... Matching lobster shorts, you know? Yeah. Judah's going to hate me, because he's going to be in college one day. I'm going to be like, I got us matching shorts, Judah. Uh, yeah, so you can, you can take off the slide. That, it's not for the sermon. Uh, I just felt like I had to share. So anyways, the reason why it was stressful for me, even though it looked beautiful, I mean, it, it, was, it was beautiful, not just looked it, is is a, a number of unfortunate things happened to us, and I'm not going to go and, and rant. I'll just t- tell you one. One example of something that was unfortunate was our way there. I don't know how many of you follow the news, at least the local news here, but that weekend, JetBlue was melting down as a company, and actually, it frankly, has been continuing to. This was the, the headlines. It was just all over the news of, you know, the company just epic meltdown. And so there was all these apologies from the CEO. They sent out thousands and thousands of dollars of free credits. They were, like, canceling and reopening flights with public apologies. Their Twitter was, like, completely blown up. If any of you are flying home next week and you're on JetBlue, like, oof, like, I hope that you have a good time. But we did not. We were smack in the middle of the headline news of, don't fly JetBlue this weekend. Oh, well, too bad. We, we had flights. And so we showed up around seven or so in the morning, and it was just chaos. Delay after delay, cancel cancel. People like sleeping on the ground and like kids screaming and running around. Everyone's hungry and grumpy. Have you ever been delayed 1 hour for a flight? That's that's you you're grumpy enough. We were there all day without promise of whether we were going to leave at all. So delay and it just kept going and kept going and kept going. So everyone's hungry and crabby and people are grumbling next to you and it makes you grumble more and chairs are uncomfortable. It was just terrible. Not to mention we had two kids with us, which makes it a lot harder. So we spent all day there. We ended up, thankfully, taking off around 4 p.m. So we were there from, like, 7 to 4, uh, like, just miserable. But we made it. All all the other gates next to us, it was turning red. Cancel, cancel, cancel. But at, at least we made it. And the thing is, I felt like the, the trip, I was carrying the stress with me as if I were still in the, like, at the gate and having, like, my neighbor being like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, I'll fly the plane. You know, like, all these people ridiculously <laughs> complaining. I'm just like, shut up. Like, like, you're making it worse for all of us. You know, like, that kind of, you know, you're just surrounded by those people, right? And I'm still holding on to it, but I'm I'm, I'm in the resort. I'm, I'm in paradise. And... I've been to enough therapy in my life now that I I know what's happening into me. I know the anxiety that I carry, and I know my patterns, and I have tools. So the second night, I'm laying in the hotel bed. It's nighttime, and I had like a one-on-one counseling (laughs) session with myself. And I just had to remind myself, like, why are you holding on so tightly to something that's in the past and that you had no control over? But Danny, what you do have control over is how you treat the rest of the trip. You're here. Be present. Just let go. And I relearned a lesson in the hotel room that night in the quiet that I'll need to relearn probably a million more times in my life that it's not necessarily about what happens to you because that, we can't control that. But what we can control is how we react to the things that happen to us. Life is going to throw everything at you that you will not be able to control from the worst of pain all the way to like you know, the annoying, bugging, inconveniences to you know, that was nice to pleasant to extreme joy and everything ranging in that spectrum. But we have, and we can't control that, but we can control how we react to those things. We can control what we hold on to. It was like I had, like, I hate Jet Blue in my fist, and I was walking around Punta Cana with it, and in my bed, and in the pool, and in the ocean. And I just need to just let go. So this is a personal story for me, right, where I'm literally in paradise. The water is crystal clear and bright blue. There's like staff just bringing me all this food and fresh squeeze, like watermelon and mint juice and like desserts and popsicles and everything with my family. I was surrounded by beauty, but the fixation on the negative to prevented me from being able to see it. What is it for all of you? Are you surrounded by actual beauty that God has hand-placed in your life? Blessings that God put there on purpose, Goodness that God designed on purpose, but you're unable to see it. You're unable to be grateful because you're fixated on what's not going the way you wanted it to. Are you lingering on the negative which steals thanksgiving from your heart? As I was studying this passage, the commentators, literally every single one of them, had a stack of books, they focused on that specific thing. One says this the story does not imply. That the other nine lacked faith. The point of this story is rather that their faith was incomplete, because it did not issue in gratitude. Another says this: Luke doesn't say they were any less cured; they were all cured. All ten lepers were cured, right? But he does imply that they were less grateful. This is a story not about a miracle of leprosy. It's a story about being grateful. Now, friends, sometimes I, I, this is an asterisk in the message. Sometimes life is just really objectively super hard and it's not everyone's experiences are not apples to apples. Some people will have a much steeper climb to be grateful and others a much easier one. So if you are the one where it's like a really steep hill because of the circumstances, the point of this is not to make you feel guilty or think, "Oh, like you should be grateful too." Like don't, you know, sink into that like self, you know, deprecation. The point of this message, though, is for all of us, whether you're in the steep climb or the smooth sailing, for us to take a bird's eye view of our lives and our walk of faith and to ask whether we will be the ones in our lifetime to grow in gratefulness, to, be, to change our radar from being negative things to God's love and compassion so that no matter whether you're in a hard or easy season, you will be fully equipped to be the one who turns back and give thanks to Jesus instead of being the one to just move on? Will we mature in our faith to find ourselves lingering on being grateful, lingering on the goodness of God, as we just sang? All my life you have been faithful. We can only say that whether it's on a screen or on your own when you're lingering on that being true, lingering on holding on to the times he has blessed you and been good. And I pray that that will be us. I've been praying that this whole week that that will be me because I'm the one in the hotel that's complaining about JetBlue. I'm praying it will be me. I'm praying it will be you that will be lingering on being thankful with God's help. And so I'll, let's commit to that. Being a church, being an individual, being a people of God who linger on thankfulness. And I just want to give you two simple things, us two simple simple things that we can do. Firstly, We can make effort to grow daily and being thankful inwardly. And so one question I have is your prayer life, your communication with God. Does it always involve thanksgiving? If it doesn't, I want to encourage you to include that. To make giving thanks to God in prayer a consistent forever practice that you have. Another thing that we can do that I started this week and it's been so helpful is a thankfulness journal. The end of each day, just writing one thing, one sentence. Today, I am thankful for. May 8th. Today, I'm thankful for. May 9th. Today, I'm thankful for. And just input one little thing. Dear God, I give you thanks for blank. Maybe coaching yourself mentally to be more aware. Giving a breath prayer or maybe even just a simple line that just makes you more aware and having greater radar and sensitivity for blessings. What I did over this past summer, uh, or two summers ago actually, when You know, life was really difficult. If you guys remember, remember I was sick? I don't know. I I had my whole thing. I was like 25 pounds lighter and all that. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll show you pictures. It was scary. During that time, I really needed to, you know, I was falling apart. And so I looked back on that journal, and I just wrote, don't forget. And I filled in things that I knew I was going to forget. Don't forget that this happened. Don't forget that this person was so kind. Don't forget that this couple dropped off like baked goods for you. Don't forget that this person prayed for you. I have a journal full of that because I know I will forget that. I'll wallow in my self-pity of my life sucks while so many people were good to me. So I wrote it down. Maybe you need to write it down. Let's make effort to notice the good things that God has done. This sermon series is called Come and See. There's this implication that you cannot be that inviter. Come and see all the good that the Lord has done unless you yourself know the good that the Lord has done. So we need to learn to grow in being thankful inwardly. Secondly, let's make every effort to grow daily in being thankful outwardly. With this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, we realized in a very unfortunate way how people spread illness to each other so easily. And this virus in particular, it was like the perfect storm because it was super transmissible and it was a respiratory disease and you match those things together and obviously what happened, happened. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if healthy things were a respiratory disease? Like, I took a multivitamin, my fish oil pill, and I sneezed on you, and then your vitamins went up. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? If I ate a salad, sweet cream for lunch, and then I coughed in my hand and shook hands with you, you touched your face, and then you became more regular because of the fiber that I ate? (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? If we could share good things by sneezing and all this stuff? I know it is. I'm a weirdo. Unfortunately, it's not that easy We can't do it that way, but it is true that gratefulness is contagious. Gratefulness spreads. A person who lives a life that is just oozing gratefulness benefits, literally benefits the people around them. When you are thankful and you you share that and you talk about it and you're grateful outwardly, it matters to the people around you. Think about testimonies. You hear plenty of sermons, And sometimes you fall asleep, sometimes you get something, sometimes you really like them, but it's a mixture. When you hear testimonies, it's always good. We always get blessed by testimonies. Why? Because someone is testifying to the goodness of God in their life, and it blesses you. It matters to us. There's something so powerful about hearing people testify, come and see what the Lord has done, and to be thankful people who are witnesses of the goodness of God, who live out the come-and-see life, they're thankful people, and we're drawn to them. They're magnetic. So let's share, let's testify, let's bless people around us about what God has done in your life that has been good. Are you more prone to share and vent about the bad things versus sharing the ways that God has been good to you? Let's start to kind of shift that practice and that habit. Let's share testimonies more often. Let's give God more credit that he's due and share about how faithful he's been. And let's invite people to come and see all the good the Lord has done. See, when we recap the story, we see a miracle, not the focus point, but there was one, a healing of a man of leprosy. He gets grateful, one out of nine, he turns back and he runs back and he gives thanks to Jesus. And he does not suffer anymore with this particular disease. But if you think about it, one day he does die, right? It's not like he's healed forever. He dies from something else. And we don't know. It's pure speculation. Maybe he died peacefully in his sleep. He lived a great life. But historically, and I'm, again, I'm, this is not biblical. I'm speculating. But historically, the chances are very, very low that he died peacefully. He probably died from another disease. He probably died from another ailment. So yes, the healing of his leprosy was a miracle, it was significant, it was a blessing, but it was also temporary. Something much more important was happening there than the healing of this man's skin. The most important thing in his life was not his leprosy going away. It was Jesus saying to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. This man had something temporary to give God thanks for, the physical healing of a disease, answered cry for pity, for compassion. But he also had something eternal and forever to give God thanks for. Faith in Jesus that resulted in eternal life and glory forever and ever and ever. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you share that same exact story as this man. You relate to him. So much, even though you've never had leprosy before. Because you will experience blessings in this life that are temporary, even pains in this life that are temporary, things to give God thanks for that are temporary. But the most important thing that you have if you are in Christ is something eternal and forever, something that will never go away that you, will give, you can give thanks, God thanks for, that Jesus saved you, that nothing can happen that will change that. Your eternity is secured and set permanently. And what we will be doing in eternity is giving God praise and thanks forever. That's what we're going to be doing. So to live our lives on earth now, having miniature expressions of heaven, of eternity, by giving God thanks and gratitude and praise, being also expectant for our future eternity, when we do that perfectly, we're going to do it imperfectly for now, But let's strive to live a life more and more grateful daily, inwardly and outwardly. If we're going to have a radar for anything, friends, let's be keenly and sensitively aware that Jesus has been compassionate towards you, that he has shared the good news and saved your soul, that the body and the blood of your Savior was broken and spilled out so that you would be clean, declared worthy, and welcome. And so let's give God thanks inwardly and outwardly. Let's linger on that thankfulness as we grow in our faith together. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we pray that we would be found as the one that turns around and runs back and gives you thanks, that throws ourselves at your your feet and praises you and gives you thanks. We may not have had leprosy before, But we've definitely had experiences, Lord, where you showed up big time. And there's a list. But really, we only really need to start with number one. So you saved our souls. You forgave us for our sins. You clothed us with your righteousness, your perfection. You intercede on our behalf before the Father. You stand before us. And one day, when we die when we pass from this earth and we stand before you, you will give us the stamp of righteousness. You will embrace us, welcome us. You will put a crown on our heads and the treasures of heaven will be ours even though we're not deserving of it but because of Jesus and everything that he's done. And Lord, I pray that that eternal thankfulness would just from top to bottom, just kind of seep down into all the other crevices of our hearts and our minds and our lives. Make us more aware. Make us more sensitive. Make us linger on the good stories more and be quicker to open our fists and let go of the things that are difficult. And Lord, we also pray, especially for when things are extremely difficult, Lord, that you as our great counselor would meet us in those places and help us to see your compassion towards us in it. Lord, I pray for Cornerstone as a church. I mean, that, right now, that, those prayers I just lifted were for us individuals, but for us as a church, Lord, I pray also. We've been through a tough time. So many of our loved ones coming and going, or building, changing, or online presence up and down, or, you know, it's been hard. Masks, no masks, this and that, restrictions, no restrictions. Everything up in the air, out of our control. And I want to repent because I think for many months now, I've definitely just been lingering on the negative. But Lord, I give you thanks with all my heart for each and every person here. I give you thanks for all of our volunteers, for every person who gives, whether one penny or more. Thank you for this building that some churches are still not meeting in person. And yeah, we never meant to be in a theater, but we're here. Thank you for the the staff here welcoming us. Thank you that we even have the money to buy cameras so people could watch from home. Thank you for each and every person that shows up on Sunday. And thank you that while the world is still struggling and falling apart, and even so many of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine living in war, Lord, that we're able to be together each Sabbath, hear your word, sing some songs, and know that you're with us. So Father, whether corporately as a church or individually as a daughter or a son of yours, we want to be more grateful. And we want to certainly be a church that whether to each other, because sometimes we need that for sure too, but especially to those outside of our congregation, outside of our spiritual family, maybe our family members, friends, coworkers, etc., et cetera, that we would be a church that is all about come and see the good the Lord has done. That we would emanate gratefulness from our hearts that blesses the people around us. And it would be because we are the ones who know, who are aware, who are paying attention and recognizing, Lord, that you are certainly good. So Holy Spirit, do this ministry in our hearts. And if we claim to be growing spiritually in a mini way or in a big way, I pray that it would be in this area that we'd be growing more thankful as your children. So be with us now as we sing a little bit more and as we, as we go from this place. Um, I pray that even these songs that we express would be prayers, but also uh, affirmations, Lord God, from our hearts of of how we want to live our lives and how we want to thank you. So we give you the highest praise for being so good to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.